0: Turn with me to John chapter 6 and be praying for Pastor Dave. Now, those of you you know Calvary Chapel Louisa, uh, we've helped them had a chance, We've had a chance to help them in a number of ways. Still grieving over the loss of his wife Kim, which only took place a couple of months ago, and then he got COVID last week. He's a big man, 6'5, 350 pounds, and he's having oxygen issues, and I have, don't have the update. I'll try and get one later today. I do know the ambulance took him to the hospital with oxygen issues last night so um, be praying for him, be praying for Pastor Rodney down in Calvary Chapel Cary, North Carolina, still deciding or waiting to see should he have back surgery And uh, so, uh, lots of needs, we'll look at some of those things this morning in the text turn with me to John chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible raise your hand, we can put one in your hand and uh, those of you online I hope you have a Bible in your home Glad to have you joining us as well, virtually. John chapter 6, this is a chapter you probably all heard many times. I've mentioned from time to time, in the old days, in the 70s, they had flannel boards. And you would slap things on the flannel board, and it was really good. It would catch anything. And and this is one where you'd see fish and bread on the board. Does that give you a hint where we're going? All right, so uh, verse 1. John chapter 6, after these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed Him because they saw His signs which He performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there He sat with His disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. John always tells us when the feasts are around you've noticed he mentions the feast quite a bit. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus always knows what he's going to do, right? Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Philip quickly does some math in his head here. You're like, this isn't, that's not a going to be a lot. We need 200 denarii here. At least. Verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down and the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise the fish, as much as they wanted, it became an all-you-can-eat buffet. Went from no food to all-you-can-eat, as much as they wanted, and the cost was zero. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet, the prophet, who has come into the world. Let's pray. Father, we ask again for the ministry of your Spirit. I ask for your help, Lord. The job of delivering your word is always way too big for me or any other person on earth. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would do the work, that you would speak for it by your spirit. Lord, once again, remove me from the equation that we each might hear from Jesus, Lord. We ask that your spirit would move in our hearts and those watching online, those here, would be pricked in the area that they need, strengthen the area that they need, console or comfort in the area they need, encourage in the area that they need as only you can do, We ask this humbly. And Lord, remove every distraction that we might just sit at your feet as if we were on this hillside near Galilee in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't normally uh, give out the outline right up front, but I wanted to today uh, for this reason. In our lives, Jesus seeks to multiply His fruit and the work of the Spirit in our lives. And this pattern, which you'll see up on the screen, will turn up again and again in the Christian life. It's not a one-time thing. This pattern will keep happening uh, in your life where God will want you to see the need, maybe in yourself, maybe somewhere else. He'll want you to see the need. You don't always see it, but He wants you to see the need. Then He wants you to see where the answer is. He wants you to see the amazing, which only God can do. And He wants you to see the growth. But this pattern will happen again and again and again in your life. And you, you, you might say, well amazing, that's an awful kind of weighted word. Is that, is that really even, does that even apply to my life? It will. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. I think you'll agree. But I also think you'd agree, in life there will be an endless procession of needs to be met. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. An endless procession of needs to be met. Just your little life alone has an endless procession of needs that need to be met but also with other people. And we've all been called to actually live beyond ourselves and actually beyond our own needs. But we don't always see the needs that we're supposed to see. God wants us to see them, we just don't even see them sometimes. Jesus does. Would you agree? He always sees the needs. And it's Jesus who sets the example as He did throughout His ministry in teaching the disciples to look and see what he sees. And that they would start to follow his example and seeing those needs. The next three realizations, look on the screen, the ones in red, that starts with Jesus because he sees the need. And in this scene he sees something that they don't see. But the next three realizations are what the disciples will see in the feeding of the 5,000. They'll actually see these others. And the Lord desires to duplicate that in our lives as this continuous pattern of seeing needs, responding to those needs, not in our own strength, but taking them to Jesus and then watching Him do what none of us could do, what none of us could ever do. But He does it still through us, through us. You guys all know this verse. You've probably all heard it. Maybe if you're brand new, you're watching online, maybe you haven't. But most people have probably heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By the way, this verse was not primarily written to athletes to beat other athletes. (laughs) It was not Paul's number one goal that this verse would be written that the Philadelphia Eagles player would have more strength than the Dallas Cowboys player. (laughs) But you'll see players with it on as if the number one, I'm not saying that the the use of application there has no application, I'm just saying it's way down on the list. Way down on the list. The verse Paul writes here is really intended that weak believers... Weak believers who die to self see Christ live through them. That's the focus of the passage. Now how do we know this is true uh, of what Paul was saying? Because Jesus taught it as well in a complementary truth that we have in John 15. He says, for without me you can do nothing. It's not like, well, as long as I can bench press 350, then I leave the other small things to Jesus. Nothing. Without and this scene is yet another proof point, this scene where the disciples are there with Jesus, that Jesus can do anything of Himself and yet we can do nothing without His help. Certainly nothing of any real value. Interestingly the miracle here that takes place, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, which most scholars believe is anywhere from ten to 20,000 people when you had women and children. So whatever the number is, whether it's 15,000, 10, 20, it's probably considerably more than 5,000. That's just the men. But this miracle is the only one of the miracles that Jesus does that's found in all four Gospels. This one. All four Gospels. A number of them are found in three. This is the only miracle found in all four Gospels other than His own resurrection. But it gives us a sense of just how important this miracle is and equally Jesus is teaching and his training of the disciples and us through this encounter with a hungry multitude. Why I, I don't know all the reasons, but God wants this encounter to be very instructive that all four gospel writers had to include it. If you're taking notes, you see again our time in the Word this morning, the one who multiplies what we freely give to him. God always asks us to give freely to him. The scene here shifts from Judea uh, where we had Jesus in the fourfold witness. He was kind of giving that fourfold witness, that revolution, uh, revelation, that rebuke in uh, the warning of the religious leaders and it shifts from Jerusalem and Judea back to the Galilean region to this needy crowd that unlike the religious elite, they were actually desperate for Jesus. Uh, the religious elite were not desperate for Jesus, they were desperate to have Him removed. But this crowd here John tells us that this scene takes place sometime after the healing uh, which is the bo- at the Pool of Bethesda and uh, because we know that it is, John says it's near the Passover, it could be as much as a year later. But if it, was pe- if it was at Pentecost it would be like close to a year later but not a full year later. But we don't know exactly which feast the Pool of Bethesda Healing was because that's the only one that John didn't name specifically. We just know he said it was near one of the feasts. The other ones he does mention of course he says this uh, scene takes place near Passover but they're still up in Galilee. And there's a tremendous crowd following Jesus up up around the Sea of Galilee. Those of you who've been to Israel with us, we've been on all sides of the Sea of Galilee. So this would be on the north east side of the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Golan Heights today. You guys hear Golan Heights in the news? That's that part of that northeast part that's up on, if you're looking at the Sea of Galilee it's up on the northeast corner there. I didn't use my map today, sorry. But, um, but the crowds are following him, many have already been miraculously healed by him, and others are coming as word of his ministry continues to grow. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus actually went up on this particular mountain to be alone. Jesus went there to be alone. Guess what he gets? The opposite of alone. That didn't happen. You ever been there, you ever wanted to be alone, and you just couldn't be alone? And you thought, it would be so nice to just be alone right now. I'm looking at you moms. You guys, you live it all the time. You're like, if I could just have 10 minutes alone. Just ten. Just not even a lot. Maybe I'll even settle for nine. You know, just a few minutes alone. Jesus went there to be alone. Of course, now Jesus could have made Himself invisible and made sure that no one found Him, right? right? But He didn't. He let them find Him. And if you're taking notes, let's look at the first thing this morning. Why He lets this crowd find Him. Seeing the need. Seeing the need. John's told us already this is near Passover. It's possible that this crowd may be Galileans that are actually on their way to Jerusalem and as they are on their way the crowds will get larger as more and more people are kind of coming in from different regions. We don't know. Uh, It's possible. At any rate, many have been healed already but at this time they're all without food. While you're in this life, while you and I are in this life, no matter the need God has already met. We should be really thankful for every need He's already met. It's me and my wife, this week is our uh, 26th anniversary of being saved. Our wedding anniversary was uh, last week, May 28th. But then in June of uh, 1995 we got saved. And we were just driving in this morning and reminded ourselves, we're so thankful God saved us. We're so thankful we're saved. I used, to not, I used to have no desire to go to church at all. The last place I wanted to be on a June day was church. <laughs> I wanted to be playing beach volleyball. I wanted to be doing something. But I did not have any interest, and in God changed all that. So we need to be thankful for what He's already done. But when it comes to needs, guess what? You'll still have more needs. Even by the end of this day, you'll have some needs. Like you'll need to eat, more than likely. I plan on having barbecue later. But anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll have some need. But the reason why we will always have needs is we're always to be dependent on God. Give us this day our daily bread. It, God has taught. Now, He goes, I'm going to make sure you're dependent upon me. The world doesn't want it to be dependent on God, they want to be dependent on themselves or alcohol or career or everything else. God wants us to be dependent on Him. But as the crowd finds Jesus, guess what? Jesus is exhausted again. Much like He was when He got to the well uh, there in Samaria, He's spent. And the reason why we know this is we have the compilation of the other four Gospels. We're only looking at this one view of it, but I've actually gone and looked at the others so we kind of understand the whole context. Jesus is spent. His disciples are spent. Everybody's wiped out. You ever felt this way? Spent. And then someone says, oh, but we have to do this, you know that, right? You're like, that tonight? That's tonight, right? You, know, you ever hear that in your own house? I thought that was next week. No, it's tonight. We promised. And you said, you know, all the, you know there you go. They're spent. The disciples are spent. The intent was that they would all rest alone together. The disciples of Jesus, they'd have a respite time together, yet the crowd of men, the women, and the children. They're needy and they're hungry. And Jesus, well, he sees all this, and guess what? He sees their need, the crowd, this massive crowd, the needy crowd, he sees their need above his own need and even above the present needs of the disciples. You ever been super empty, like physically, mentally, whatever? You're empty, and yet out of the blue, God says, you got to help this situation. Like, what? i got nothing in the tank. Right. God's like, the car's going to have to run on empty. Right? Yeah. But it won't be on empty if God's involved. Right. won't be on empty. But Jesus has, he looks at the crowd, Matthew's gospel highlights as the encroaching crowd is coming in and they found Jesus, they literally found where he was at and they move in mass And so this alone time, this rest time for him and the disciples isn't going to happen. Jesus could have made sure it happened, but he doesn't stop it. The crowd comes and we see from Matthew 14, 14 why. And when Jesus went out, he saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Compassion. He healed their sick. It says also that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Now a lot of the the unsaved world doesn't care about all the sheep that are out there. We pray for revival today. You know we pray for sheep that are not saved? Because Why do we pray for them? Because God cares for them. Doesn't matter if your neighbor cares for them. We care for them because God cares for them. He had compassion for them. Now they have a physical need. They're all hungry. He's the creator of their bodies and He does care about their bodies. He does care that you eat. He does care that you have a place to live. But yet their greater need, they need bread from heaven. The crowd, they need living water. Not just a meal or even a healthy life. What good is a healthy life if you die and go to hell? Man, I lived off me a hundred. I was on I was on Willard Scott's Smucker's thing on, you know, remember that thing? Turn a hundred. I did all that. And I never knew God as my Lord and Savior. No, they have they need living water. They need the bread of heaven. The people that you and I pass by every day, we pass by people at the grocery store, we pass by people at a restaurant, we pass by people in a park. The people we pass by every day, they need a paycheck. Many of the people you pass need healing. You don't even know that they need healing. They, don't, they didn't tell you. You just walked right past them. Some of them need a restored marriage and you wouldn't even know that the marriage is in trouble. But the crowd in front of Jesus and everybody else we meet, guess what? They need Jesus 10 trillion times more than all that other stuff, even though the other stuff is important. They need Jesus more. They just don't know it. They have an eternal need, and we have an eternal need which is the entire reason Jesus came. Don't lose perspective why he came. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. The big picture is the eternal need is always in the backdrop. It's the whole reason Jesus came. Remember in Samaria, the woman at the well, she came to get actual H2O, like literal water. And yet Jesus was there to give water to her soul. He was there to give water to her soul. The disciples, remember there in Samaria they were focused on food. Guys love food. <laughs> I can't mention it again or the guys will get even hungrier in this crowd. So, But they love food and they were focused on food. But they couldn't see that the fields were already white unto harvest. They couldn't see that the fields were already ripe. Notice that we're stitching all the previous teachings into because John is doing this in succession that we kind of see the big picture. You'll see another Point, and this really comes to light at the very end. Um, and once again, Jesus, though, here in this scene, he has his disciples. Uh, is Jesus focused on the crowd or his disciples? Yes. Right? This is another one of those. Is he focused on the crowd or is he focused on the disciples? Yes. Absolutely but he's spurring their spiritual sight and he's conforming their hearts to his heart because they're not not necessarily seeing this need. How do we know that? He says to to them, where are we going to buy bread? They're not asking him, how are we going to feed the crowd? He's asking them, where are we going to buy bread? And he asks them this question, and he even says to, to go buy food for several thousand people anywhere from ten to 20,000 people late in the day. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, uh, they each say you feed them along these lines. The other gospels say you feed them or you give them something to eat. Jesus' literal word says you feed them. Why did he do this? Look at verse 6. But he said this to test them. There's going to be things God's going to say to you in the Word and through a message and through a radio message you listen to that's going to test you. He's going to test you. He's actually going to allow things in your life that will test you. And you won't always originally like the test. Or even understand the test. This wasn't like one that they hated, they just didn't quite understand it. He's having them see the need. This was a test. How would they respond to such an impossible request? it's late in the afternoon, you want us to find food for ten to 20,000 people, 5,000 was the men. But you've got this big crowd, how are we going to find food? Let's take a look at the next point if you're taking notes, seeing the answer. Jesus has them see the need. The need is, this crowd needs to eat. You guys feed them. He gives them an impossible task. What takes place after this, pick it up with me in verse, uh, verse 6. And so he said this to test them. Verse 7, Philip answered, "...200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them even might have a little." Verse 8, and then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "...there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many people?" It's hard to believe that out of this entire crowd, the only person in the whole group that has food is a little boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish. That's it. Among everybody, everybody has nothing. At first, in answer to Jesus' command, uh, they inform Jesus of the math and the money. This is how men usually respond to everything. <laughs> this will never work. You know, that's that's my natural logical response to almost everything. Like the math just doesn't add up. And then the spiritual wife says, "Have you prayed about it?" Well, uh, I was going to do that next. That was my <laughs> next move. Right? But just to feed this group would require 200 denarii, which is a day's wages for each denarii. So that's 200 days of wages. And then, you know we have 365 days in a year. So that's about 55% of your salary. So think of whatever you make in this room, or the adults, teens, you know, your Chick-fil-A money. We'll not help here. But, uh, but 200 days of a normal salary... Um, by the way, you think about it like this. If we had five, just 5,000, much less the 15 or 20,000, if we had just 5,000 men out there in the field who are all hungry, and um, I, if it was late in the afternoon, it's 4 o'clock, and I figure out that none of them have any food, if I start calling restaurants right and left, I'm not getting any of them to be able to feed 5,000. Uh, Jersey Mike's, I only need 5,000 subs, and we need them in about two hours. What do you think the chances of... They just hang up the phone. You know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. There, there's not gonna be the prep time to even do that. And the disciples are looking at each other like this. How in the world? By the time we get to the village, it'll be nighttime. And even if we could, how does twelve men carry back food for five to twenty thousand people? None of it. None of it adds up. Additionally, if take the U.S. median income of sixty-six thousand, which is our median income, fifty-five percent of that means that you need $36,000 worth. Anyone want to stroke a check this afternoon for $36,000? So uh, the disciples, uh, they look at this. How can they solve this dinner for thousands in a deserted place, late in the day dilemma that Jesus has thrown their lap? So you feed them, go get the food. He did all this to test them, right? Mm -hmm. All this was a test. The answer to their dilemma is always Jesus. But in concert with him being the answer to every need and every dilemma and every shortfall and every impossible situation is the answer of our response. It's our heart response. Namely, will we have faith and will we surrender? Say, Lord, we're going to exercise some faith here and we're surrendering ourselves to you doing it through us. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ, through Christ. It's better to say, through Christ I can do all things. Just read it backwards and it starts with Christ. Will we, surre- will we surrender our limited vision? We always have a limited vision. Will we surrender what we lack? Well, I heard too many people won't serve God and won't give what they, oh, I just don't have this, I don't have that. Who we are. What we have. I don't have this. I don't have that. All I have is a couple fish and loaves. What in the world is that going to do? And we go to him. We go to Jesus. We go to him and we give it all to him and we let him do what only he can do. You know the word of God says he has no limitations. None. But do we believe that? In Psalm 78 41 is a very interesting verse. Some of you may have read it before. Yet Yes, again and again. Not more than one, not a couple times, but again and again, they being the children of Israel, this is back in the, in the Old Testament, they being the children of Israel, tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Are we limiting God and don't even know it in our lives? Are we limiting the Lord? Now, that, not that God has any limits. He doesn't have any limits. This limitation is Will we foolishly trust ourselves and trust circumstances rather than giving ourselves and the circumstances to God, which unleashes no limitations? Or will we say, this one, I don't know how to handle it, so I'm just going to ignore it. Or I don't think God can do it. Or I I just need to handle it myself. None of that works. They tempted God. They tried him. Or are we going to trust God and see... The answers, we can limit what the Lord might have done had we responded with faith and had we said simply and and sincerely humbly, when we got on our knees and we prayed for revival, we're serious. I hope you are. I know I am. I'm not on my knees playing games. I'm really saying, Lord, have mercy upon us. Help us because we cannot do this. We can't even open up our own eyes, much less anybody else's. But Lord, I'm doing the best to say, Lord, we're yielded here to you. Lord, please help. If we were the disciples, if we were the disciples in this situation, this is what I think we would be thinking as classic 2021 Americans. Lord, we're tired. We are wiped out. And truth be told, we don't care about their hunger. We're hungry. (laughs) Right? That's what we would be thinking. That's, just, that's what I would be thinking. That's just an honest assessment of if we were in this situation, we try and spiritualize it. They do need something to eat. I don't care about their food. I care about my food. And then on top of that, Lord, you've given us an impossible task. Who can feed all these people? We don't have the means. And yet they're speaking to the answer right now. They're face-to-face with the answer to this problem and every problem. When you don't have compassion, remember Jesus had compassion on the wall too. When you don't have compassion, and you know you should have compassion, and you actually want to have compassion, go to Jesus. When you've got no strength and you need strength, go to Jesus. When you're overwhelmed, maybe you're overwhelmed here this morning. Maybe you're online and you are absolutely overwhelmed, and someone at the last second invited you, and you're watching. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're afraid. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're depressed. Go to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Maybe you don't see a way out of what it is you're dealing with right now. Go to Jesus. Maybe you lack resources. Join the club. Go to Maybe. Jesus. Maybe you lack faith. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're apathetic. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're low Go to Jesus. Do you get the point? Yes. And all of these go to Jesus. Prayer It's talking to Jesus, talking to God. But we have to be surrendered to him. Surrendered to him to talk to him, to ask for his help, to ask for his wisdom, to ask for his will. The disciples were surrendered to Jesus, but he's teaching them, you need to come to me with an expectancy and a surrender to me, and when you see me give the impossible, say, Lord, you can do it. Please show us how to do it. We have a lot of impossible tasks. Just to win one soul to Christ is an impossible task to us. You can't convince. Some of you have kids you can't even convince. That ought to tell you right there. You raised them and you still can't convince them. Some of you have parents you can't convince. But praise God, He can convince anything and He can do anything. And, and He meets us where we're at. He meets the disciples. He's given them impossible tasks, but it's to show them where they're at, to show them who he is and where he's at. We just have to come humbly and believe, even with a tiny little mustard seed. He doesn't give us this massive, you need to have faith the size of the Empire State Building. He says the size of a mustard seed, which is good news for us because mine's about the size of an atom sometimes. So (laughs) mustard seed can move a mountain. I always say that an atom ought to be able to move at least this problem, you know, that kind of thing. And so Andrew, Philip does the math. Philip's the business guy and says this ain't gonna work. We don't have two hundred denarii. And he probably went on further. It's furthermore, it's late in the day and all the shops are closed. You know, everything. He starts to go through the whole list. Philip, and, Philip, calm down. We already know that you know it's impossible. Where's Thomas? He doubts everything too. You know, so. But Andrew, but Andrew comes along and says there is a boy who has five loaves and two fish. There is a boy. That could be a sermon title right there. There is a boy who has five loaves, two fish. But it's not just this tiny meal that Jesus is going to work with. It's the tiny hint of faith. It's the tiny hint of faith. Uh, Here's the key. They took the question to the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Are you doing that right now in your life? You can rationalize all the reasons why this won't work, that won't work, I can never do this. I don't, I'm, I'm too afraid. I'm not skilled enough. I, I don't have the ability. If you've seen my checkered past, none of that matters to God. He cleans all that stuff up. Right, right. Once again, join the club on all of that. Let's take a look at the third point. Seeing the amazing. Seeing the amazing starts in verse 10. Then Jesus said, He doesn't, he doesn't, there's no more commentary from Jesus here. They say, here's what we got. Make the people sit down. That's his next response. Make the people sit down. Notice his response. Andrew, he may be wiped out. Remember, he's the one that says, I found a lad. Good job, Andrew. He finds at least something. Everybody else is like looking around. At least Andrew finds this little tiny bit of food. Andrew may be wiped out. But here's my thinking. If Jesus cares about this crowd, and Jesus wants the crowd fed, and he does... Andrew found something to try to obey the command. I want you to know that every time we get on our knees, we're just trying to obey the command. We don't, the, the, the massive job of seeing America repent is so beyond our capability that we're just doing the best to say, Lord, here's what we found. We found a couple of those that we can get on our knees and ask you to help. That's all we pretty much can do. There's not, I mean, you can still be a light, you must be a light, and all the other stuff, but we're saying, Lord, these things only you can do. And that's what Andrew said. Look, this is what we found. What can you do with it? And Jesus takes it from there. And everything in your life, Jesus takes it from there. He'll always take it from there. Our first job is not to actually do the job, it's to accept the command. Make sense? It's to accept the command. It's to accept. If Jesus says, you are a sinner, you accept. I am a sinner. You need to be saved. you accept. I need to be saved. You need to do this, and then I'll give you the Holy Spirit. You accept the command first. Then comes the you know, walking. Remember the yellow pages thing? Did like that? You know <laughs> Then comes the walking. I've said this before. Many of you would never, ever have had kids, until if you waited till, you were ready. <laughs> you would have never had kids. neither would me and my wife. I mean, we would have never we, were, we waited like six years, and we still weren't ready. We finally had them anyway. Here They're sitting right there. But, um, but the, word says, the word says to be fruitful and multiply. And we trust God that, that he means that. right? right? That's, a simple, that's a simple verse way back in the book of Genesis and it's still true today. God still wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And of course later that will be a spiritual application. Uh, but he can certainly multiply fish and loaves, can't he? He didn't have any limitations with fish and loaves. Speaking of fish and loaves, how about the surrender and the willingness of this little boy to give up his meal? I mean, isn't that cool? That he's like, give it to the master. If he wants to do, I don't know what he's gonna do with it, but Andrew's I don't know if Andrew rips the meal out of his hands or what, but you know, for whatever reason, I found a boy and he's really willing, aren't you, kid? You know, I don't know, but I don't know. But uh, he finds, but we do believe that the boy was willing. And and little guys, they like food too, so uh, he gives it up. But we have a handful of people in this scene who are giving at least what they can. At, at this point, they're now giving what they can. It's the disciples, it's obedience. It's the effort to at least go find. Jesus said, go find, so Andrew does what he can. He, he can't get far, but he finds what he finds. We have now an insignificant amount of food, but not insignificant if, if it's your lunch. Right, right, right. So the boy's giving, the, the, the lad is giving his uh, food, which is a picture of a living sacrifice, which we're called to be. Living sacrifice. Not just fake ones, but actually doing it in our life. And now Jesus has, so to speak, set the table now. He has set the table here literally to feed thousands of people, to reward a young boy's heart, mm-hmm. giving heart, Because he's freely given it to teach the power of simple faith and prayer and obedience to his disciples. And by the way, he keeps teaching this to them over and over again. In the first service, I had a school teacher I know. Is anyone else a teacher here? Anyone else been a teacher? Yeah, so you are. Yeah, so you know how this works. Teachers reinsert the same questions into multiple tests and quizzes and exams over the course of time. And the student's like... Where have I seen this question before? It's worded slightly different, but it kind of seems, especially when it's a word problem, right? You know, I I think I've seen this before. Jesus is keeping the same teachings. Again, he keeps coming back to them to teach them simple faith, simple obedience, simple surrender. Simple faith, simple obedience, simple surrender. Simple going back to him and saying, we want to do it, can you help us do it? We're willing to do it if you'll help us do it. That's the thing that he is doing again here. But it's ultimately, remember I said, is he speaking to the crowd or the disciples? Yes. It's ultimately also to speak to the souls, the lost souls of this crowd, Mm -hmm. while at the same time deepening the faith of the saved, i.e. the disciples. And that's what we do every Sunday here. You know I give a gospel presentation. Every Sunday I want to see us that are saved deepened in our faith, but those that are not saved become saved. And those that are saved next week, deeper again. Those that are not saved, it's, its discipleship. We're growing, but we're also to multiply. And so Jesus is looking to do both, to grow his own disciples, but also to grow the number of disciples with new souls being saved. So Jesus tasked the disciples. Now he tells them, all right, because you guys are already part of the family of God, and you're already, you already have a working role, go have the people sit down in groups. He has them go sit down. It's actually uh, told to us in Matthew and Mark that he says to put them in groups. And actually Luke says that he told them to put them in groups of 50. So Jesus obviously very efficient teaching them that we'll have a wisdom and efficiency that is needed in ministry. And you guys know that this is true. Those of you that have, uh, I mentioned VBS, uh, we can't do it this summer. VBS takes a ton of planning and effort and grouping and figuring out, and we did, we did that with children's ministry. You guys know with worship, just to do a single song set is harder than most people think to put all these things together. So everything needs some wisdom and the efficiency that's required in ministry. So he has them sit in groups. But it's also that they would see firsthand the multiplication and the, and the miracle. They would see it. The crowd wouldn't even know what's happening. They would be seeing what God is doing. But the amazing and the supernatural things, the change in heart and people, the needs met, all of that always comes from and is only done by the power of Jesus. Amen? Amen. None of that, if you've ever seen a person get saved, it's not because the pastor gave some great message, it's because the Holy Spirit connected to them. Right. It's not because we are not anything but in the way half the time. Mm-hmm. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to give, though, what we can and ask Jesus to do the work. We're just to give what we can, say, Lord, if we give it, you'll do something great with it. D.L. Moody said, if we make a full surrender, God will give us something better than what we have ever known before. We will get a new vision of Jesus Christ. We will thank God, not in this life only, but in the life to come. Because Jesus does eternal things, eternal things. That's what he wants to do uh, in the lives of each and every one of those that are there, we're to give what we can, and it says that surrender. The disciples saying, "All we can give you, Lord, is our obedience. We will now tell the people to sit down in groups. That's not that's not miraculous, is it? Now it is miraculous when people listen to you sometimes, but you know when people, hey, you sit in groups, and they actually do it in this country. Who do you think you are? You know, you... but they did. They sat down, and that's all they did. They just did the simple things. If God tells you read your word, pray, love others, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, and watch me do all the rest. God does amazing things. I'm always amazed that I just teach the word of God. In the first service, we had a family here. I've seen their whole family come to Christ. And now this morning, they actually brought a neighbor's baby that they're babysitting for them so they could go to work. That's Christianity in action, not just like talking about it. That's actually living it. I was like, wow, this is like the 70s. This is the kind of stuff that you used to have neighbors watch the kids for each other. You actually could trust your neighbors then and all that kind of stuff. But the disciples, they saw a miracle because they just gave their obedience. They saw thousands of mouths fed. The boy, he actually has way more lunch than he started with. Now he has an all-you-can-eat buffet. He started out with a small. When five or two are done, it's, it's over. But now he has as much food as he wants to eat. They're empty tanks. I'm talking about the disciples. They're empty tanks. They're filled. Their faith is filled. They're now filled with wisdom on how to do ministry better, how to teach. But here's something to keep in mind. When we choose to see the amazing in God's grace and in Jesus we'll see more amazing things when we choose to see amazing. So you might look, overlook things that actually already are amazing. We'll see this cycle that we looked at at the beginning, seeing the needs, but Jesus will help us to see those needs in that pattern of faith and surrender and dependence. And then we see him as the answer, and we stop wringing our hands, and we instead get on our knees. And then we see the one who is amazing. And we see, when we see Jesus is amazing, we'll see amazing things. But if you see Jesus is not all, that all amazing, many of us, truth be told, we are much more amazed by our TV shows or this, that, or a meal we had, or a recipe. I mean, just look at Instagram and Facebook. It's amazing that people are amazed by some of these things. You're like, this is not that amazing. You call this incredible? I've seen this same picture 8,000 times. I know it's a piece of chocolate cake, but that's not amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've eaten that before. It was good, but I was hungry 12 hours later, so it can't be amazing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the world, the things that the world sees as nothing and no big deal, like somebody getting saved, big deal. My team won the Super Bowl. That fades into a bit. This is a soul for eternity. We, not, we need to start seeing those things as amazing. If all heaven rejoices over that, that's amazing. Yes. We need to see people getting baptized as more amazing than these other things that are not amazing. Right. And I believe God will honor that in our life and we'll see some of the miracles we pray for when we start acknowledging what God has already done. We need to come to a close with this last point here. Seeing the growth in verses 13 and 14. Therefore they gathered them up well, first of all, uh, also verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up. They filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come in the world. Now this is important because they're agreeing, the prophet. Remember, Moses said, one would come like unto me, and him you shall hear. So they are agreeing that this is the messianic prophet that Moses spoke of. Now there's every opportunity for salvation when you believe Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? Amen. This is a big deal. Because their need is met physically, they are seeing that Jesus really is who he says he is. So that's very, very important. But it's from the disciples' perspective, and I've done most of this more from the disciples' perspective this morning. You can do it from the boys' perspective, Jesus' perspective, the crowd's perspective, kind of all all together. And We've done a little bit of each, but mostly from the disciples' perspective. The disciples, they saw the tangible example of how Jesus multiplies whatever we give. They saw that literally with real bread and real fish. They just saw Jesus keep multiplying it, and it went from seven to feeding thousands, or five loaves of bread and two fish to feeding thousands. They saw that multiplication. But they also saw the overflow. It says, Jesus said gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And they filled 12 baskets with the fragments. Um, In Psalm 23 we know it's a picture of Jesus as who? The Good Shepherd. And it says in the 23rd Psalm two things that I think you can see lived out literally in Jesus here. One, he makes them to lie down in green pastures. There was a lot of grass there. He had them all recline. They would actually sit down. Some of them would actually get on their side even, laying down in the green pastures. And he also said, it also says in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over. They had an overflow of food when it's all said and done. And we know from the other Gospels that Jesus said that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. We literally see the 23rd Psalm coming to life in this text. Maybe you've not seen it that way before, but Jesus fulfills many of the verses. Remember he says on the road to Emmaus, all the things you've read are about me. All of it. So we kind of see some of that right here. Uh, But they see that the growth comes, Jesus keeps taking the bread and breaking it. Breaking it. Breaking the bread. And actually there's a subtraction by taking the bread and now you have a smaller piece but these smaller pieces become more pieces. So you have this breaking and the subtraction becoming multiplication. But the brokenness and the breaking and uh, these smaller pieces becoming many more pieces, um, God is doing this multiplication only Jesus can do. By the way, the fragments are not half-eaten pieces of bread. If you say, I don't think I want other people's saliva on a piece of bread. So you can, no, that, put it in the basket. I don't want it. I don't know whose mouth was on it. That's not what it was. The fragments were all clean fragments because Jesus kept breaking them. And it was not the half-eaten ones. He was taking, when he would break them and multiply them, people had so much left over that every piece had been broken. No one got a whole-looking loaf. They might have got, they had all the half-loaves that they wanted, but these fragments were then put into a basket or into baskets, and none of it was lost. And we'll come back to that in a second, but um, one thing I want to point out, John's first miracle recorded was with the wedding in Cana. He turned water into what? Wine. All the miracles in between that first miracle and this miracle were all due with, dealing with people. Either people healed, or he told the woman at the well everything she'd ever done. They were all about people. Water... Is it an animate object? Bread is an animate object. The first one, bread become, water becomes wine. This one, bread is broken. Does, do you get a picture of these two coming together? Yeah. The wine came first and the bread came second. So now he's breaking the bread. And later we know that Jesus literally says at the Passover meal, and it's near Passover season here, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. His broken body has been passed out to the world in the form of the gospel now. All over the world and many people. And the overflow, instead of just 12 disciples, you have many times the disciples who have been saved. We are all part of the overflow baskets in time. All of us, we're in these baskets. But not only that, he'll take the fragments of your life. He'll take the fragments of your minutes. He'll take the fragments of your difficulties and he'll refill And multiply and do something great with all of that. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just come before you. We are grateful that if we would freely give you just our obedience, you would do more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Lord, just a small mustard seed of faith can move mountains. Lord, it can feed thousands and it can save thousands. But Lord, we know that you're wanting us to see the need, our own needs and others' needs, but we also... No, you want us to see and really believe, Lord, not limit the Holy One, but see that you really are the answer to everything. And with our heads bowed before we take to the Lord's Supper to close this service and maybe someone watching online, I know that this message, I've taught it mostly from the disciples' perspective or to the disciples, us as disciples. But again, there's this lost crowd that Jesus had compassion on. And I know that I got saved, when I got saved, me and my wife walking the aisle at Calvary, Fort Lauderdale uh, in 1995, 26 years ago this month, man, we just, we're just just so broken that God was willing to forgive us of our many sins. And we knew we deserved Taylor We knew we deserved uh, to be separated from God for all eternity. But God is gracious, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm speaking to you, those online as well as you here before we take the Lord's Supper. If there's anyone that says, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be in that basket of the overflow of those that have come to the Lord. And just just as we're all bred, I want to be a sheep that has been saved by the good shepherd. Any analogy you want to take from scripture, they're all there. Anyone at all, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Maybe today is your day that Jesus is, he's speaking to his disciples, but he's also speaking to the lost. He does both at all times. Anyone here at all, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If there's anyone online, I can't see you raising your hand, and maybe you're here and you want to pray with me. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but said by faith and sincerity, God saves souls just like he saved many of us in this room by just simply calling upon the name of the Lord. Just pray with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. I believe your word is true. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by you. And Jesus, I come to you and I confess my sins. I can't even remember them all, but I ask that you would cleanse me and forgive me and wash me and write my name in the land's book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, for I have decided this day to follow you, Jesus. And just give you what I can give you, which is just my belief and obedience to this call of salvation. Lord, wash me, save me, and help me now to walk in newness of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If anyone's done that, even online, we would ask you to send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com.